Welcome back to Living Lean. This is Jeremiah Bear. Today, in honor of my ebook, Lean, a 12 week training program for building functional strength and lean muscle, which is going to be dropping Black Friday, two days from now, we're talking about the seven things your training program is missing that are holding you back from creating the lean, strong body that you want. Now, the goal of this episode isn't just to plug my new training program. It's amazing. I've gotten great feedback on it from lots of both general population clients and coaches that have actually had beta testing this. But again, the goal isn't just to plug my new program. It's to show you how much difference a well-structured training program can actually make in your results and your life as a whole. See, I wrote this ebook and I'm recording this podcast because I've been there both with my own training in the gym and with my clients. And really when, when writing this ebook and writing lean, I wrote it with coaches in mind. Now, if you're somebody that's coaching yourself, you'll also get incredible results out of this because it is a 12 week training program. It's just really designed to not only give you the how, the tools, the training program to follow, but literally the first 25 pages of this program, of this ebook, is a crash course on proper programming, programming design. Now, it's not so dense that it's hard to comprehend. It's very easy to understand and apply like all the content I create to your own training and that of your clients. But really, just so many people spend years working out without ever actually achieving the lean, strong body that you want. Again, I've been there. It's incredibly frustrating. I used to make all the usual mistakes, like not following a periodized training program, improper volume, the wrong exercise selection, wrong exercise sequencing, and even a training split and rep ranges that didn't match my goals. And for me, I know for the longest time, my programs weren't working for myself or my clients. When I first started coaching, that was the worst feeling. And that's exactly why I created Lean, to give you not only a 12-week training program and the knowledge you need to create the leanest, strongest, and most confident version of yourself, but so never again will you have to wonder if you're doing the right thing in the gym for yourself or for a client. And truly, I believe that program design is so much, I know that program design is so much more than just a bunch of exercises thrown into a spreadsheet, PDF, True Coach, whatever you use. Building the perfect training program is truly an art form. It's so fun to nerd out over all these little details, which again, if you create an effective training program for yourself, you don't have to get into the minutia. Lean does a very good job of explaining how to create a solid program without overwhelming you with all these different percentages and numbers that you need to plug in. But a well-designed training program affects truly so many different areas of your life. Like whether you increase movement quality and get rid of an agony aches and pains or burn out on training and building your best self altogether after a few painful years. Like truly the programs that we give our clients determine for the rest of their life if they're going to be like, oh man, I feel great. My body looks great. I love this. I'm going to turn this into a lifelong habit. Or if they just are, you create more pain for them, their joints hurt, they burn out on training altogether. And as dark as it sounds, they probably are going to die earlier. I know that's, don't, (laughs) we don't need to go too far down that road because that is very dark, but truly that's the reality of this. Like so much more is at stake than just like, oh, I got a great workout today or not. And again, like whether you experience life as the leanest, strongest, and most confident version of yourself, or 
just spend the rest of your life frustrated and again probably burn out because you have no idea why what you're doing in the gym doesn't work falling in love with training truly makes such a difference we have to give our clients and we ourselves need to be following programs that are fun that give us results so we can adhere to them long term and instead of the gym being something that you dread and just do occasionally we turn it into a lifelong habit that is how we create leaner, stronger, healthier versions of ourselves for lives. That's how we create sustainability, both within our clients' results and our own. So I think you get the idea at this point. A smart training program can make or break your results, longevity, and enjoyment in the gym, and dramatically affect your life outside of the gym. So regardless if you're programming for yourself or for a client, here are seven things that your training program is probably missing that will skyrocket results. Number one, periodization. So periodization is defined as the strategic implementation of specific training phases. Basically, a bunch of different phases that are gonna be increasing or decreasing volume, intensity, and sometimes frequency, but the goal of all these different phases is to bring you towards one overarching goal. So we have different things like volume accumulation phases, strength phases, hypertrophy phases, but we're all working towards, in the case of lean, for example, they're all working towards the overarching goal of helping you create a leaner, stronger body. So multiple phases within this program that seem very different, but again, they're all pushing you towards the same goal. The idea here is we're not just doing the same reps, weight, and exercises over and over again, but we're also just not doing things at random and hoping for good results. A smart approach to training has to progress or regress volume and intensity by manipulating sets, loads, and reps across the training phase. Now, I don't wanna to get too, I don't wanna to give too much of the training program away, but really how Lean does this is over the course of three weeks, we ramp up intensity, ramp up intensity, ramp up intensity. Then we very strategically decrease intensity to allow your body to fully recover and adapt. We change up some of the exercises. We keep some of your exercises the same, but increase load, start the process over. So that's a smart approach, but every single week we're progressing. But again, none of this is random either. We're not just doing shit at random, very specific progressions to get you to the result that you want. Number two, your training program probably doesn't have enough unilateral work. So unilateral work, unilateral movements are just movements where we're using one arm or one leg at a time, as opposed to bilateral movements where we're using both limbs simultaneously. So an example of a unilateral movement would be something like a rear foot elevated Bulgarian split squat, a half kneeling single arm overhead press. A bilateral movement would just be something like your conventional barbell squat, barbell bench press, barbell deadlift. Now, those movements, bilateral movements, are great for building strength and muscle, don't get me wrong, but I'd argue that for functional strength, unilateral movements are just as, if not more important. The thing is, when you only train bilaterally, one side of your body is inevitably gonna work harder than the other. And over time, this leads to imbalances, pain, and sometimes even injury. 
Unilateral work really remedies this because we're forcing both limbs to work equally hard. On top of that, think about the amount of times when we're doing something athletic or just something quote unquote functional in our day-to-day -day life. Most of the time, we're not able to get in a perfect squat position. We're usually using like one arm or one leg and we also really need to use our core to keep us strong and stable in the process. This is why I believe truly that a lot of unilateral work is one of the major keys to feeling lean, strong, and athletic. And really, it just feels a lot more functionally fun. I don't think that's even a phrase, but we're using it here. For example, something like a front rack kettlebell split squat is one of the most fun and challenging full body movements. Not only are you smoking your legs, you're using a ton of stability and balance. You have to engage your core big time you light up your upper back, it's just a whole different experience. Or think something like a single arm dumbbell push press. Again, not only are we smoking your shoulders, but you're exploding, you're being powerful, and you have to use your core big time to actually stabilize that. So much more functional carryover, which is why I love programming a lot of unilateral movements. And typically, my rule of thumb for most clients is make sure that we program at least, or if I'm giving someone program guidelines, make sure that we program at least one variation of each of the foundational movement patterns, squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, and carry with a unilateral variation per week. Now, within lean, we have more unilateral work than that, just because it is so damn important, but at least once per week for each of the foundational movement patterns is a good rule of thumb. Third, your training program is probably missing metric-based lifts. So one of the biggest things most people are missing in the gym is actually lifting heavy weight. Now, there's the old saying, if you wanna get big, just lift heavy ass weight, which it's a little bit more complex than just constantly lifting the heaviest weight possible. But with a smart approach, lifting heavy weights does make a world of difference for your results. See, muscle growth, is an essential part of getting lean and strong for both men and women. Basically, when we're saying we wanna get lean and defined, we wanna get lean and toned, we wanna get lean and muscular, we're all just saying we're gonna lose fat, build muscle. Losing fat comes from primarily your nutrition with a bit of training. Building muscle comes from proper training. We have to have the proper stimulus and also the proper nutrition for recovery and growth. So taking it back to muscle growth, muscle growth comes from three primary mechanisms. First, we have mechanical tension, which is basically just lifting heavy ass weight. By progressively increasing the amount of tension we put on muscles, we essentially can force muscle growth. Now, here we get into so many other factors, like we have notice that I said the amount of tension you put on muscle. And increasing weight doesn't always increase the amount of tension we put on a specific muscle, which is why it's also important generally to be able to at least somewhat feel the muscle that you're working because you can lift heavier and heavier weight, but the tension actually isn't being distributed to the muscles that you want. For example, if you're doing deadlifts to try to grow glutes, hamstrings, but you really just feel your lower back, that's probably a good sign that we're not distributing the tension where we want. So sometimes in that case, we can make the argument that it's smarter to decrease weight. Obviously it's smarter to decrease weight if your body is hurting, but 
primary number one mechanism of muscle of muscle growth is muscle tension. Next, we have metabolic stress. So basically, metabolic stress. Think of it as the pump or that burn that burning feeling you get when you're doing a high rep set. So what's going on here? Metabolites are accumulating in your muscle cells. This leads to cell swelling, hormonal changes, and a variety of other factors that are thought to influence muscle growth. Now, let me say first that out of all the mechanisms of muscle growth that I'm talking about here, mechanical tension is by far the most set in stone. We know that this creates muscle growth. Metabolic stress and the final component of muscle growth, which I haven't talked about yet, muscle damage, are a bit more debated as to if they actually are causative for muscle growth or more just correlation. So metabolic stress is a good sign that at the very least our body is in a good state. So basically being able to get a pump is a good sign. Being able to get a pump, I should say, is a good sign that our body, we're in a good state nutritionally, we're well, we're well slept, we're well recovered to actually be able to make progress. And then metabolic stress as a whole, basically, and just that burning feeling you get is thought to be a big part of muscle growth as well. And then finally, we have muscle damage, which you're going to experience typically as muscle soreness. Now, out of all these three factors, surprisingly for most people, muscle damage is the most debated as to whether it creates actual muscle growth or not. But we do know, and how I like to look at it, basically, if you're getting good pumps in the gym and you're getting a bit sore, not crazy sore, but a bit sore, it's a good sign that you're working hard, you're pushing yourself, and you're training hard enough to present adequate stimulus to actually grow your muscles. But again, out of these three factors, mechanical tension is thought to be the most important. So essentially how it works Again, just lifting challenging weight creates more mechanical tension and more results. Now, obviously, we have to look at this within the ability of your body to recover. So I'm not just saying lift more weight linearly, create more muscle growth. That's not how it works, which again is why it's important that you're following a periodized program like lean, where not only we have these weeks where we're intensifying, where we're increasing either volume or load, but also times where we're dialing all that back and actually allowing you to fully recover and adapt. Because it's not just create stress in the gym, grow, it's create stress from training, recover, and then adapt. Taking it all back to metric-based lifts, anytime I program for a client and within lean, the first one to two actual lifts of the day outside of our mobility and our priming movements, our primer circuit, are what I call metric-based lifts. They're metric-based because, quote-unquote metric-based, because here you need to be tracking the numbers of sets, reps, and weight you hit super consistently. And our goal with these movements is to constantly work to improve. So sometimes we'll have rep ranges, so it'll be like, okay, let's say we're doing a barbell overhead press, great movement, one of my favorite movements, and I give you three to four sets, let's say three sets, eight to 10 reps. Now, every week, I want you to either, so week one, I want you to start with a weight you can barely hit for eight. We're gonna hit eight reps at 
one rep in reserve. So one RIR, basically when you finish that set, I want you to know you can do maybe one more rep. Now, next week, our goal is either to add weight to that eight reps. So if you did 135 for eight this week, let's try for 140 next week or add another rep. And typically how this progression works, how I like to progress this is, okay, we're gonna hit eight reps this week, nine reps next week, try to hit 10 reps the following week, then we'll likely take a deload. So again, give your body time to adapt. Then we'll start the process over. But last phase, you started at 135 for eight. This week, we're gonna start at 140 or maybe even 145 for eight. And then we just keep progressing like that. One of my all-time favorite progressions, personally, that's not the only way we can do this. Again, there's truly so many different ways we can do this, and this really ties more to the periodization concept than actual metric-based lifts. So taking it back to metric-based lifts, if you're training four times per week, which truly almost everyone can get amazing results training just four times a week, following an upper-lower or a full-body split if you like, Lean is four times per week, upper lower. And then we have two conditioning days, which we'll talk about in a bit. But if we're training four times per week, the first movement of the day will almost always be some variation of a squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press. And sometimes I like to do a pull as well, just because training our posterior muscles, the muscles of the back, of the upper back especially, are very important. Now, we wanna individualize this to you. So I'm not just saying you should always start your workout with a barbell squat, a barbell deadlift, or a barbell bench press. And this is a huge part of not only lean, but when I'm writing training programs, this is why I have clients go through before you start working with me. This is why I actually have you shoot me videos of you going through a whole movement screen where you go through all these functional movement patterns. So I know what pro or what movements will work best for you. So. Maybe you have low back issues, so we know that instead of a conventional barbell deadlift, you'll do better with an elevated deadlift or a trap bar deadlift, or maybe we know you have shoulder issues. So, hey, maybe flat benching isn't the best for you, but you'll crush it with a floor press. Maybe you have trouble getting overhead, so we need to sub in a landline press, a happy landline press. You get the idea, but the idea here is focusing on these movement patterns, getting very strong at them with our metric-based lifts, and we're focusing on progressing reps or weight. Now, I also don't like to switch these movement patterns up a ton month to month. At the most, just a slight variation of the same pattern, honestly. The goal here, again, is just to get stronger at the same movement for months on end. And here with your metric-based lifts, we want the second movement to typically be working an opposing muscle group to the first. So think of this like you'll always want to alternate between push and pull movements with the first and second movement. So let's say you're following an upper lower split and you're training your upper body day. So if our first movement is a bench press or a horizontal press, then we want our second movement to be a pull. And because I love rowing so much, it's just so damn important for your shoulder health, I would prefer to have you do a horizontal pull or row as well. So basically there, we're just training all the opposing muscle groups to the ones we train on the first movement. This is important to prevent imbalances. Similarly to what we were talking about unilaterally, developing imbalances between limbs, we can also, we can also easily develop imbalances posterior to anterior. So think front side of your body to the back side of your body. Now, if you were training full body, for example, we would still take this posterior to anterior or push 
pull approach, but instead of being two upper body movements, let's say if your first movement was a deadlift, a lower body pull, second movement, we would wanna be an upper body push. So you could do something like a dumbbell low incline press. So I think that makes sense, but really this is a big piece of what so many people are missing is just actually focusing on pushing the reps, pushing the weight, not just doing the same reps and the same weight for months to years on end. Number four, your training program is very likely missing well-programmed cardio. Now, admittedly, up until a couple years ago, I was the anti-cardio guy, and really, it hurt my results, it hurt my clients' results. Anytime we're dogmatic about anything within nutrition, training, or life as a whole, we could say, it really, it really hurts your progress. Anyways, there's an old stigma, which I really bought into, cardio kills your gains. This doesn't at all have to be true, and cardio isn't just for people that are trying to get lean. Cardio also works great if your number one focus, your only focus is to build muscle. In fact, smart cardio programming should actually allow you to make faster progress in the gym. See, your energy for different activities in the gym really comes from three main energy systems. We have the anaerobic alactic energy system, the anaerobic lactic system, and the aerobic system. The anaerobic alactic system has the highest power output, but also the shortest duration. So really for the first 10 to 12 seconds of an intense set, we're using the anaerobic alactic system, which is basically just using fossil creatine, which is already stored in our body. From there, energy system for the first and all the energy systems are working basically anytime we're moving, but depending on the duration and our energy or our power output, it really affects which energy systems work. But after our first 10 to 12 seconds of exercise, we're gonna switch over to primarily the anaerobic lactic energy system. This has high power output, not as high as the alactic system, but we can still create a pretty decent amount of power the thing is, this also still has pretty limited duration. So for the first 30 to maybe 40 seconds of an intense set, or let's think like an all-out sprint on the assault bike or sleds, we're gonna be using primarily anaerobic alactic and then anaerobic lactic system. The anaerobic lactic system is really fueled by glucose, which is a big part of why, if you listen to the episode about carbs, I talked about this also, why carbs help a ton, because they're really a crucial fuel to that anaerobic lactic system. So the first 30 to 40 seconds of explosive exercise, you use carbs a lot. From here, our body switches over to primarily using the aerobic system for power output, for creating energy. So the aerobic system has the least level of power output available, but it also has a long duration. So this is really for long duration, steady state, things. This is also why like going through a set or let's say you're trying to sprint. This is why we have those decreases in our ability to output power. This is why we slow down. Our body is switching energy systems because it can't keep up with the energy demand. Now, while the aerobic system can basically go on for a very long time, it's also a lot slower converting the fuel sources that it has available to energy. The aerobic system is also very adaptable. It can use carbs, fat, and even protein if needed 
to fuel your body to create energy. But again, it just takes longer to create that energy, which is again, why we slow down. All right, so as you probably picked up when you're lifting, you're prim primarily using the anaerobic energy system. So again, anaerobic alactic, anaerobic lactic. But this doesn't mean you can neglect your aerobic system in your training. See, your aerobic system is what helps you recover from the anaerobic stuff you do. So in this case, lifting. Basically, better aerobic fitness allows you to recover and progress faster in the gym. A stronger aerobic system also allows you to get into parasympathetic or what we call rest and digest state quicker. This creates better resiliency too and recovery from all forms of stress, both in training and in life. You hear so much talk, and this is something that is important. I talk to my clients about it a lot too. Meditation, breathing, how important all those things are for our ability to manage stress. But also as crazy as it seems, our aerobic system, having a strong aerobic system is also incredibly important for us to deal with life stress because a stronger aerobic system is again gonna allow us to get in a parasympathetic state quicker. Your body doesn't really diversify training stress from life stress. This is very important for your life as a whole. The point I'm getting to here is a smart training program trains both the anaerobic and aerobic energy systems in the proper doses. And really in lean, this is a blend of conditioning circuits to end your training sessions. I love conditioning circuits or finisher circuits for my clients. They're so much fun. Not only do they jack up your heart rate, do they build the aerobic and sometimes anaerobic systems, but we can also focus on training your core, adding some more volume to your upper back. We can even work in things like maybe you get a bicep pump there. So really, I love doing things like heavyweighted carries, band pull-aparts, getting some rower work in there, kettlebell swings. There's so much, and within, within lean, that's one of my favorite parts about the whole training program. That's one thing that everybody's gushed about, how much they love the finishers, especially how challenging, but also fun they were. So I'm excited for you all to experience that. But along with those conditioning circuits, we also have two days both, both devoted to either your aerobic system or your anaerobic training. Because again, that is very important. If you wanna get the best results, build the leanest, strongest version yourself, you can't neglect the energy systems. Number five, your training program is very likely missing effective reps. For me personally, both within my own training and programming for my clients, getting my clients amazing results in the gym, the concept of effective reps was a game changer. And within lean, you'll track reps in reserve or the number of reps you have left in the tank at the end of the set very closely. This is also something that I have my clients pay attention to in every single training program that I write. And here's why. The closer you take a set to failure, the more muscle fibers it recruits and fatigues. So the closer a set is to failure, the more effective it is at stimulating muscle growth because basically it recruits and works more muscle fibers. When we hit all out failure, we know that we've very near or fully recruited all the muscle fibers and fully fatigue all of them, which is why we can't keep moving. But the thing is, only the last four to five reps before, rec before failure really recruit and fatigue enough muscle fibers to effectively stimulate growth. 
Thus, these are called quote unquote effective reps. Now, again, it's not set in stone like anything less than five reps from failure is worthless, but the concept of effective reps still holds true because again, we just know we're stimulating so many more muscle fibers. And this is a huge thing that's missing from so many people's training programs. This is why so many things like shout out to Beachbody or all the classes that have you just doing super high rep stuff where you really feel a burn. And again, metabolic stress where you're feeling a burn is one mechanism of muscle growth, but it's far from the most important. And if we're not achieving effective reps, you're gonna get very little out of your training. So things like beach body or doing a high rep set of body weight squats, for example, let's take that, but you're not actually getting within that effective rep range, you're getting very, very little out of that set. That's why you can do stuff like that for years and not ever change your body. Now, it's also not smart to take every set all the way to failure. We do need to manage fatigue properly to help you build your leanest, strongest body. Again, like we talked about lean, that's one of the most important factors, which is why within lean, we have actually weekly, the number of reps in reserve you leave in the tank changes just to make sure we're managing this best. But as a general guideline, in your sets with one to three reps in reserve is a good rule of thumb. And they call this the Goldilocks zone. Truly, there's so many people out there that call this the Goldilocks zone because it's just the best for muscle growth almost always without pushing the stimulus to be too much that you can't recover from. Number six, your training program is likely missing deloads. This is another thing that was a game changer for me. And really within the last couple of years is when I've actually started to implement it within my own training and within my client's training. See, as you get more advanced, focusing on properly managing fatigue just gets more and more important. We're lifting heavier weights, we're going harder, we're creating more stress, thus our body needs more time, more resources to recover. So a deload is just a name for a period of recovery, which is typically a week where we reduce training stress. This allows your body first and foremost, but also your mind and your motivation to fully recover and you'll come back stronger in subsequent weeks. Without properly deloading, many intermediate to advanced trainees will find that your progress and motivation in the gym just keeps dropping or decreasing. You're actually moving backwards in the gym. You can lift less weight than you could before, despite still going in there and working your ass off. And really one of the best signs typically that you need to deload, joints will hurt, motivation is lower, and you're stagnating in the gym. Now, if you're periodizing your training properly, deloads should already be a part of your program. And again, in lean, a deload is taken every fourth week. This is how, for me personally, I just feel best taking a deload every four weeks. I've tried, trust me, I've tried so many times to push it more than that, but I know once I pass that fourth week, if I don't take my deload, motivation dips, my joints hurt, I quit making progress, whereas I always come back from that deload stronger, more motivated, ready to crush it in the gym. Now, this is a very individual thing. If you're a beginner to the gym, the reality is you probably don't need to take a deload 
for the first six months to even a year. If you're new to the gym, you can go quite a while without taking deload. But as you get more intermediate to advanced, deloads need to become more and more frequent. And once we pass that a few years of training to again, you're kind of in that intermediate to advanced mark. For most people, I found anecdotally, four to six weeks for a deload is a very good rule of thumb. Now, here's the general deload guidelines that I use. We want to increase your reps and reserve by two on all movements. So if you were stopping with one rep left in the tank before, this week you're gonna stop with three reps left in the tank on every set. We're gonna reduce weight by 15 to 25% on all movements, and we're gonna decrease volume by one set on all movements. So if last week you did four sets of squats, this week you're gonna do three. Now, the de decrease in volume is debatable. I know some people don't decrease volume. Personally though, I feel like it makes my deload more effective. I don't feel like I can fully recover if I don't. And I've seen the same in enough of my online clients that I think it's smart to just drop that set also. Finally, the last thing that your training program is missing, you're not having fun with it. Again, this is the most important and the most under, underrated aspect of building a plan that will get you or your clients great results. It should actually be something that you look forward to. A training program that gets you excited to hit the gym is one you'll go so much harder at and you'll stick to it. And again, more than anything else, it's about creating a lifelong habit. So by turning this into something you want to do instead of something that you need to do, we've truly changed your life because we changed your whole perspective on the gym. And really, this is the biggest thing that I try to consider. Obviously, all these other factors, periodization, effective reps, we want to take them into consideration as well, all the different mechanisms of muscle building. But the most important thing, again, is that this is something you'll stick to for a very, very long time, ideally the rest of your life. If your training program is fun, you're going to create a lifelong habit. And that's the end goal of all of this. And that is the seven things your training program is missing. Add these in, you will get better results. Now again, if you want these already put together in a done for you fashion, grab my ebook, Lean, drop it on Black Friday. I've had amazing reviews on this from all the beta testers of the program. I am so incredibly stoked to get this in your hands. Not only give you the training program, but also the knowledge you need to always know you're doing exactly what you need to in the gym to create your leanest, strongest body ever. All right, on that note, have an amazing Thanksgiving and thank you for tuning in.